This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. And welcome to another edition of Greg's List Live, your home for serious journalism only on AmericasWebRadio.com. Great to be back here in the studio. Had uh, a little bit of the holidays going on and uh, a couple of elections. David, I know you were uh, very disappointed to see your favorite senator from Louisiana, Air Mary Landrew, lose. I was. On, you were. I know you were just crying in I your uh, your your wine cooler. I didn't have anybody to <laughs> point at and say what a fat pig. You know. <laughs> and now she's gone, and I, you know, I, I, I don't know what Obama's going to do without her. You know, she was one that when you said she she passed plenty of pork, she was pork. You know, so. Yeah, I'm. I'm sorry. She's gonna. Yeah. She's gonna miss those congressional buffets. It looks like, but yeah, uh, you yeah. know, apparently she's living in her parents' basement. Uh, moving Aww. out of Washington D.C. is going to be problematic for. Her. So everybody was just crying all sorts of salt tears for poor Air Mary, who chartered planes and flights and loved to travel around on on me and your dime, the taxpayer dime. The you know once once the Republican wave hit and. The Democrats realized that they didn't. Louisiana really wasn't going to matter to them as far as control of the Senate. They pulled out all of their money. Um, they pulled two million dollars of, of advertising. I don't think that would have made much of a difference anyway. But the Democrats are in just such disarray, such a problematic uh, political party. And, and I'm happy because they are finally having to pay the piper for their years of, of race baiting rhetoric and basically competing with. Uh, you know, doing the, uh, the the class warfare that they try to do, and 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 basically attacking the middle class and small business owners. Well, let, let me ask you, Greg, uh, and and, I, and I'm glad you brought that up because I'm. I guess if I lean anyway, it would certainly be Republican. I, I think I probably lean more libertarian or independent or or individualist or whatever. Mm-hmm. But you know, the facts of the matter are the Republicans have. One hell of an opportunity, in your opinion, and and they they only got they got sixteen months, in all mm-hmm. reality, about sixteen months, yep. eighteen months, they're gonna make it. Yeah, I uh, you know, it, I, I'm really looking forward to the committee assignments. I I do want to caution people right now. We do not want to shut down the government during Christmas. We always lose. We do not actually control the Senate yet, so some of these spending bills that are going through right now, we we pretty much have to sign on to them because Obama has said he will shut down the government, and I want people to be able to see the White House Christmas tree. It's not a holiday tree; it's a Christmas tree. I and and the problem with with a, a president who will engage in such brinksmanship is they don't care what damage that does to the country. They don't care that people wouldn't be able to see the national monuments during Christmas and New Year's. They, they don't care about what's in the best interest of the country. They only care about their policies, their zealots, they, uh, their demagogues. And in dealing with somebody like that, we when we don't even control the Senate yet, we, we will in January, but right now we still have the same leverage we'd have, we've had for the past four years, which is uh, Jack and his cousin... <laughs> So we don't we don't have we don't have squat yet. So let's let's not throw the Republicans under the bus quite yet. Let's wait till February to do that. Well, I'm not, I'm not throwing <laughs> them under the bus. I'm I'm just asking: Will they be able to uh, get anything done? I, I I tell you, I'm getting 
real tired, as are most uh, Americans. Well, voting Americans and the ones that pay attention anyway, of not getting anything done for the voter, not getting anything done uh, for America. Not This thing, uh, as I mentioned to you earlier when you came in, this thing with the CIA papers, I have never seen a group of individuals like the Democrats primarily, but there, there's John McCain and a few others, Republicans, yeah. Yeah, this torture uh, memo yeah. that they put out, the CIA. Uh, yeah. This is this. I don't. I think they were doing their job to investigate. Right. I have no problem with that. Uh, and the irony of it all, you know, how many people were waterboarded? You know, KSM was waterboarded like eight hundred times. So doesn't he count like five? <laughs> <laughs> no, they, there were three people that were waterboarded. Uh, but they were waterboarded a lot. You know. When I Does was that count in, as swimming you know, lessons? Yeah. You know, uh, <laughs> when I was in uh, AIT, Advanced Infantry Training, um, you and those for, acronyms. For a week, we had more of our troops in, in uh, our platoon waterboarded than were waterboarded at Guantanamo. And, you know, obviously not as long, obviously, you know, they made sure everybody and, and nobody died at Guantanamo. Nobody, you know, no, they live they live pretty good actually. They live pretty damn good. As better a than of better than a lot of the people in Saudi Arabia and Yemen and Afghanistan. So on your dime, if you know, I'm upset, and and I'm upset if the first American that dies because of them disclosing what was going on at Guantanamo. As far as I'm concerned, they have committed treason. They should be tried and shot. And that's for every Democrat, for every Republican that backs letting the... Yeah. We, you, you know, it's unfortunate. I, I'm as utopian as anybody. I love everybody, but it doesn't work that way, you know? It just doesn't... You ain't going to dig as hard as I am, you know, or somebody's not... You know, it just doesn't work. Yeah, so people, don't every, pull, people don't pull their own weight. You're every right. government, you, it's sad, but you have to have secrets. You have to have things that the general public doesn't know. And this is crazy. Well, I mean, especially when you have, you know, voter participation at, at lower rates than people that watch American Idol. Um, yeah. You know, that's kind of the frustration. So, did you see that snake eating thing? Uh, did you see? Yeah, I, I, I didn't no. watch it. I didn't watch it. I saw people talking about it. And then, you know, the guy wussed out because apparently the snake started, you know, swallowing his head, which that, that's part of the whole eaten alive experience is like you realize the snake was going to swallow your head, don't you, sir? Which. Again, I um, it's almost like gl- modern day gladiator stuff. Is like watching people go through their own torture. Um, next time somebody volunteers for that, David, let's give them a bunch of roofies so, so they don't complain about the process. I mean, I, I really, am, I mean, I think it would be kind of cool to to see uh, an anaconda do it. I just want to watch the last five minutes. So I don't want to watch a two hour build up and then have the guy say, "Oh, it hurts! Oh my God, it's crushing me!" What do you think happens when a snake swallows you? Yeah, it probably it's going to leave a mark. <laughs> but uh, you were watching uh, Mr. Gruber, your buddy uh, Jonathan I Gruber. Was, I was watching because you love Gruber. Obamacare. You're the Obamacare cheerleader around yes, here, absolutely. and I'm sure you were watching. Daryl Issa did a uh, pretty good job. Um, uh, Gruber, I thought was uh, rumored to have pled the fifth, but he did not. And well, I, let me ask you on that. Yeah, 
Now, in, in Lerner's case, you know, they came back and said, okay, she's she's made a uh, statement, so she really couldn't do the fifth, but she did the fifth. Right. What, what is the thing? Uh, can you beat question, answer some questions, and, and, supposedly, and claim the Supposedly you can't, but uh, again, the um, Congress, it seems like they can't do a whole lot. They uh, they weren't able to hold her in contempt and put her in prison. They weren't. They haven't. She basically wants to immunity for her test for her testimony, and she refuses to testify because on grounds that it may incriminate herself. Which, to me, if if your lead person in the IRS refuses to testify because she may incriminate herself, that's Hello? a problem Hello? right there, isn't it? And now, Hello? and guess what? They did find thirty thousand. Of yeah. those missing emails, and um, they said, "Oh, well, we've got to redact them before we turn them over." Now, what the hell is that about? That's blacking out everything. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, you it's know? like, okay, it's all this incriminating stuff. I think the American people are the technical owners of every damn computer at the IRS. We're the taxpayers. We're the ones who send them our pounds so, of flesh every year. So, where did this put Gruber? Did he? Did he? Did he ever take the fifth today? No, he. I did not see him. But he that. did not answer the question. No, well, he either. said he couldn't remember. Which I think, you know, I gotta say, that's. I don't remember. Well, I mean, what can you do? Can we waterboard him to chalk his memory? Good, good idea. You waterboard Gruber. I mean, but, but seriously, they he he didn't play the fifth. So he he was answering the questions. I'll give him credit. He looked like a slimy worm. But he was answering the questions. He defended um, the the uh, Obamacare, and he said, oh, I shouldn't have said all these horrible things, which he said over and over and over again. It wasn't like he sent out one drunken tweet and said, oh, me culpa. Well, yeah, that's uh, what I like, Isa, uh, coming in, and, or Isa, coming in and Isis? Start, <laughs> Isis, starting, starting the thing by showing the video. Yeah. Uh, you know, hey, is that your picture up there on the wall? Yes. Can you yeah. identify the person in this video, sir? <laughs> so we got to see him as a smarmy snake uh, today. He he didn't disown the comments. He said he misspoke. And it's like, well, how many times did you misspeak? We have like seven damn videos of you. And you say the same thing over and over again. Did you think that we weren't going to find that, sir? But, again, that uh, Obamacare is falling apart the uh, primary care physicians are dropping like flies. They don't want to deal with it. People that got hashtag got covered are finding out that their shiny little card doesn't mean they're going to find a doctor who will see them. Um, my dad, you, and I think you're on Medicare. Y'all have to face the $700 billion that they're moving from that program to Obamacare, and I'm hoping it hasn't affected... I, for, I spoke I, to my I'm dad. I'm on private insurance. Oh, you're on private? Okay. Yeah. Well, I spoke to my dad. He's on... I mean, he's paid into the system for 40 years. Oh, yeah. So, oh. Uh, he has the Medicare Advantage and all this stuff. I mean, they. my parents certainly continue to pay taxes because they did well in, in during their life, and, and, they, and they're continuing to pay taxes, and, and they when they are t- getting Social Security and Medicare, which they've paid into to, and they have the Advantage program. So my dad has said he hasn't seen anything too different uh, in his care. But again, Obamacare really hasn't been implemented yet because the Obama administration did so many delays and head feints. And they're you know this next year coming up is finally when the uh, individual tax mandate penalty thing, whatever they want to call it, comes into play. So yeah, it's it's, it's party time for the CPAs this yeah. next year. What do you think ought to happen to Gruber? What do I think would will happen? Will or should? Uh, uh, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't think he, I don't think he did anything criminal. That's the, um, that's the pro- he, 
he basically is um, being paraded around because he was honest. <laughs> you I, know, you know that's another thing. How can your president sit there and say, "Well, he, you know, he wasn't anything." Oh yeah, well we, that. yeah we, and but yeah, yeah, he's in the White House eighteen times yeah. with Valerie Jarrett and all the other. And then communists. they have they have your president on tape in two thousand and eight where he says. And I even stole some of the recommendations from John Gruber. <laughs> yeah. I mean, my God. Yeah, and Pelosi says she doesn't know who he is, and yet in 2009 she was telling him. They the bathroom together. Yeah, I talk. Mean, <laughs> she, he helped her with her Botox injections. The, 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 the interesting point is is they, they don't have any recollection or memories of these discussions, but the good news is the Internet and YouTube and all these other videos, they're forever. So we are getting to see them, and that's something that I would like to see. I would like to get Nancy Pelosi and some of these other con- congressional people up there. But they have some kind of privilege where they don't have to testify. You know, that's, that, that's who I want to see up there. What, what exactly did you do? Did you notice that every Democrat pretty much that voted for Obamacare unilaterally back in uh, 2010 – Almost every one of them, especially in the Senate, have lost, if, especially if they were in any kind of competitive uh, arena. They are gone. Obama has been awesome at creating Republican jobs in Congress. I'll give him credit for that. Well, like I said, though, it's it's up to the Republicans to do something and do it right and and let the media know about it. Let the public know about it, but yeah. they, they've got to do. Well, something. we need to do the messaging bad. that the low-hanging fruit. I mean, ironically, the Keystone Pipeline, since oil's dropped thirty-five percent in the past a few months, the Keystone Pipeline is no longer this massively important thing. I, I think they still need to try to to get that approved, though, because we can't count on oil prices staying down forever. Uh, the the VA that should be some low-hanging fruit that everybody should want to fix and get additional funding to. I'm hoping Senator uh, Johnny Isaacson from Georgia will be the uh, chair of the Veterans Committee up there, and uh, we'll, we, we'll be able to get a lot of things to vote, and it's a matter of us messaging and showing how alien this president truly is. Do you, uh, oh geez, it's time to take a break. We'll, uh, well coming back, we'll have uh, Nancy Palmer from the uh, Georgia Craft Brewers Guild. We've got some exciting uh, uh, legislation, hopefully coming up this next session, that will allow you to buy a six-pack from Sweetwater or Monday Night Brewing or, or Red Hair or any of the other 38 microbreweries and brew pubs in Atlanta. So we'll see you in a couple minutes on Greg's List. Thanks for listening. This is Dr. George from Peachtree Ear, Nose, and Throat Center. We've won patient care awards and have the highest patient recommendations because I believe in practicing medicine the old-fashioned way. Practicing good medicine is based in listening to the patient and making a care plan that's individualized. The best medical care is given when there is a strong doctor-patient relationship built on mutual trust and respect. At Peachtree ENT Center, we believe in taking care of the whole patient because healing is more than writing a prescription. Whether you have problems hearing or your child has frequent throat infections, from the time you call our office and speak to a real person, you will be treated as an individual, not an ailment. During your visit, you will not be rushed and all of your questions will be answered. And when possible, I will recommend natural treatments to fix the problem. If surgery is recommended, cost-effective, minimally invasive treatment for snoring, sleep apnea, or sinus problems will be offered because Peace Tree ENT Center is where patient care counts. If you'd like to make an appointment, call 404-591-9100 or reach us on the web at www.peachtreeentcenter.com. Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? 
All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. In 2009, the membership organization Docs for Patient Care was founded. People all around the country wanted to participate in the efforts of this group, and they wanted to join, but they were unable to do so unless they were physicians. It's for this reason that the Docs for Patient Care Foundation was created. Now, everyone can join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. While you're at your computer, please go to www.docs4patientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docs4patientcarefoundation.org and make a tax-deductible donation and join the fight along with us. Thank you. Do your children know where their food comes from? At ConnectingFarmToFork.com, there's all kinds of ways to help your child understand how 300 million of us here in America stay nourished, clothed, and healthy. Activities, food facts, and farm visits help young people learn about America's hardworking farmers and have lots of fun doing it. Visit ConnectingFarmToFork.com today for a learning experience that will really grow on you. ConnectingFarmToFork.com, brought to you by the people who care at Feedstuff's Food Link. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to Greg's List Live, your home for serious journalism only on AmericasWebRadio.com. We are joined right now by Nancy Palmer, who is the executive director of the Georgia Craft Brewery Guild. Nancy, how are you? Thanks for calling in today. I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I uh, had the privilege of listening to uh, your presentation a couple weeks ago at the uh, uh, Buckhead Young Republicans meeting, and uh, basically the craft uh, brew industry in Georgia, it's got about 38 uh, brew pubs and breweries, and right now, because of some antiquated laws, they are uh, facing some, some competitive challenges and are unable to sell beer directly to the consumer, and uh, Nancy, I, I, I'm hoping you can expand on that a little bit and what some of the goals are for uh, for the craft brewery industry in this next legislative session. Oh, yeah, I'm happy to talk about that. That's what I'm paid to do. Uh, thanks again for having me on. And and I want to kind of start by explaining what a craft brewery is. I think there's a little bit of uh, misconception. It's one of these words that's thrown around a lot. Not everyone knows what a craft brewery is. So there's a national trade organization called the Brewers Association, and they've taken the task of defining what a craft brewery is, and they say that it's any brewery that's less than 6 million barrels of production a year. So to kind of put that in comparison, something like a Budweiser, our best numbers is they produce about 95 million barrels of beer a year. Uh, barrels, 31 gallons for anyone who's interested. <laughs> um, and a brewery, let's say, the size of Sam Adams produced uh, 2 to 2.5 million barrels. Um, and then, uh, you know, a brewery the size of uh, most of the breweries in Georgia would be kind of under 50,000 barrels. And that's really kind of what we're looking at when it comes to a craft brewery. So it's the difference between a brewery that produces on average 50,000 barrels uh, as opposed to a brewery that uh, produces, you know, 8 to 10 million barrels or even up to 95 million barrels. Right. So the craft breweries um, are inefficient by nature. Um, <laughs> they require a lot of uh, a lot of people to produce not very much beer, but the beer they produce is made in traditional methods, small batch, 
uh, it's got a lot of care put into it. Um, and so that's why breweries like uh, Sweetwater and Terrapin Monday Night, the breweries that we represent, have gotten such a, a big step in, in uh, growing market share in, in the beer industry. The beer they make is delicious. And it does take a lot of time and it does take a lot of people to do it. Um, but, but craft breweries are kind of a different beast than some of the bigger breweries. Right, so and that's th- what we're talking about when we say yeah. craft breweries. And they don't and necessarily uh, come; they're not looking to compete with, uh, you know, the the twenty one year old at Panama City chugging PBR. You know, they're <laughs> they're, they're it's a more uh, refined palate, I guess. Yeah, and and you may have noticed when you go to your local uh, beer store, beer bar, and you want to buy a craft beer, it is a little more expensive than your than your uh, average domestic or other import. Um, but that, that's because of the, the time and care and that goes into it. And the fact that these businesses are uh, across the board, small businesses, they're local businesses. Many of the craft beers you can get in Georgia, you can only get in Georgia. Uh, none of the craft breweries uh, in Georgia currently distribute to all 50 states. Uh, the most would be Sweetwater, and, and they're not even in half the country yet. Um, so we're, you know, it's a, it's a really cool local thing that we do. And to your point, many of the laws that we have right now were written back when there weren't any craft breweries. And so we're just dealing with a situation where we have some antiquated laws that, um, that don't really reflect where we are in the market right now. Uh, we've just in the last 20 years, you know, we went from less than 10 craft breweries to, you know, as you said, almost 40 now. Um, but that doesn't mean that, that Georgia's doing a great job. We're still actually kind of behind on the national trend. If you look at a state like Georgia, with we're the eighth largest state by population. Um, but when you look at us, you know, we're only 17th largest when it comes to total production. A mm-hmm. lot of that is sweet water, God bless them. <laughs> um, and when you look at how we rank up per capita, the number of breweries we have versus the number of people we have in the state, you know, at 38 breweries, uh, if you look at kind of where we should be national average-wise, we should have 75 breweries. So we're, we're missing about 40 breweries that we could have if, uh, if we were able to modernize some of our laws. Yeah, and Which, what's 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 the biggest um, issue right now? It was, I mean, right now, basically, the craft breweries in Georgia, there's 38 of them counting brew pubs, and a brew pub is something like a Gordon Beersh or a Moon River in Savannah that sells food and brews their own beer. The, what I've been able to discern from, from listening to you is they basically want to be able to sell small amounts directly from their breweries to the consumer because right now when you go to one of the uh, tours – they actually are giving you the beer for free, and you're paying $12 or $15 or whatever it is for that beautiful glass <laughs> that they give you, right? Right. That's, you're, you're exactly right. So what we would like to do is allow breweries to sell some amount of beer direct to the public straight from the brewery. And this kind of falls in line with what wineries can currently do in the state of Georgia or what most people who have traveled outside of the state visiting breweries in other states or wineries in other states you're able to go to that, you know, facility to where they're making it, and you're able to, to try some of the beer on site, and then you're able to take some with you to go. And that's what we would really like for Georgia breweries to be able to do. Um, as you know, in brew pubs, you can't have their beer on site, but for them, we would like you to be able to take their beer to go as well. So what we'd really like to do is just a simple thing of, of direct retail sales to consumers, and that's for uh, individuals that come and visit the brewery. 
uh, for anyone who's been to a brewery tour in Georgia, you recognize there's hundreds of people that visit breweries. <laughs> uh, and you're right that our current system does not allow for those breweries to sell them beer. They are allowed to sell them a pint glass, but then they're required to give away free beer. Right. Um, so our, our breweries are selling a lot of merchandise, but no beer. And uh, we really think <laughs> that, that as a guild, uh, it's important to Georgia's economy to keep us competitive, that our breweries be able to, to sell beer direct to the public. And, uh, and that really doesn't put us, um, you know, all that, all that far away from where other states around us are. You know, what we're asking to do is legal in Florida, Alabama, Tennessee, North Carolina, and South Carolina. Uh, and in fact, it's legal in 45 other states. Mm. The, the only states that are like us right now uh, are Hawaii, North Dakota, West Virginia, and Mississippi. Well, you know, uh, when I... I saw one of the uh, arguments. Um, there was an article recently. You, you were actually featured in uh, every uh, Republican's favorite magazine, Creative Loafing. But it was a very good piece uh, <laughs> about your uh, your story. And I've also seen some other pieces about the fight brewing. And basically, some of the uh, bigger breweries and I guess the distributors feel like it could potentially threaten their business. They're saying that uh, allowing the small microbrews to sell beer could actually result in less competition and less choice for consumers. And to me that makes absolutely no sense and and my argument to them would be well that hasn't happened in the 45 other states that have modern laws right i I think i think that you're kind of right on the right track there that we're not going into unknown territory this is this is a um, this is something that happened in all over all over the united states and has happened for decades north carolina passed their law in 1986 in Florida, it became legal in 1963. Wow! This is we're not we're not testing the waters here with some <laughs> new crazy program. People that make something should be able to sell it. Yeah. Um, we're you know we're just expanding into Georgia that 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 we believe uh, in the free market. We believe that people that make something should be able to sell the thing that they make, and we want to reward these small business owners for for taking the money and the time to invest in Georgia and hire Georgians. And buy Georgia products and put this money back into yeah. the economy. What's what's the average? Easier for them. What's the average? Um, the 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 minimum for a brewery to set up shop in Georgia? I believe you told me it's one point eight million dollar initial investment. Yeah, that would be my recommendation. Okay. Anytime anyone calls and asks me about you know how much money does it cost to open a brewery in Georgia. <laughs> The, the I, I would say 1.8 to 2.5 million. Okay, so you that's, get so you get that initial. We're basically what from what you said. We're supposed to have twice as many breweries based on our per capita population and the fact that we're in the South and we like our uh, high gravity beers and we like having different choices. So we could double that size. That sounds like a lot of construction investment. And I've also seen uh, um, uh, literature that says that 1,500 new jobs could be created right away in manufacturing if we were able to modernize this, uh, these laws. Right, and so what we kind of did to get some of this data is we looked at um, what an average state would look at. So we have an economist from the Brewer Association take, take kind of data and say, what does the average state look like across the country when it comes to, to the number of brew jobs they have and stuff like that? And then he just applied that data to the population of Georgia. And, uh, and yeah, what he came out with was that um, you know, we would have a, a lot of new construction. We would open a lot of new smaller breweries. So we're not kind of missing 40 breweries that are the size of Terrapin. Um, but we are missing kind of other breweries that are, that are much smaller and neighborhood oriented. Um, and I think that uh, we kind of looked at it and said with those types of jobs, those types of manufacturing jobs, 
um, we would we would add about fifteen hundred jobs if we wow. were just average. That's amazing. Uh, and that's Georgia wants to be better than average, so I think that uh, with the loosening up of of this restriction against uh, direct sales. Uh, we should be able to do better than average. Well, we, we should be the best. I agree with you. We're the number one state to do business in by multiple publications, but number 46 for craft brews. Uh, Nancy, we're, <laughs> yep. I, I know you're entertaining somebody from a great state of Alabama, and uh, time's a little short. So tell us a little. Tell us about the website and uh, some of the fundraising so we can kind of put a game plan. And uh, session starts on January 12th, so it will be time to call your legislators. But I want to let you plug the, uh, uh, the missions yeah. real quick, okay? So what we're looking at, we have a petition, uh, gabeerjobs.com, where we're collecting signatures for uh, for anyone who supports a brewery's ability to sell beer direct to the public. Um, and we also have a fundraiser going on on Indiegogo to help fund our legislative efforts. Again, we're funded by uh, about 30 uh, very small businesses, so any help we can get financially, we'll also put towards our legislative efforts. Um, and then, uh, you know, moving forward... We, we will have a bill uh, next session. We have not dropped it yet. Okay. We're, we're still working on it behind the scenes. But as soon as we have a bill, we'll, of course, do a big press release and let everybody know yep. what, what exactly we're asking and we'll be, for. And we'll be, prom- we'll be promoting the issue for you for sure here. Tell, uh, tell our friend from Alabama a big hello from a, a UGA bulldog from me, and I know you're a dog. <laughs> and uh, look forward to uh, helping you get some uh, common sense legislation through. Thank you so much, Nancy. Thank you for having me. All right. We'll see you in a couple minutes on Greg's List. This is Dr. Susan Blank, host of Detailing Addiction on America's Web Radio. Please join us at 4 p.m. on Tuesday afternoons. Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's Web Radio. This is Michael Gano with Insight to Israel. Every day, the Israeli Defense Force finds itself on the front line of the war with the militant arm of Islam. Surrounded by enemies from within and without, they fight for the only Jewish state. Military service is mandatory, ladies serving two years and men serving three right out of high school. While young people in other democracies are busy traveling or attending university, Israeli men and women gear up for basic training. In a world of heads of state, politicians, ambassadors, diplomats, and a leftist media, many times our voice at the grassroots level is drowned out. So we started an ongoing project called Hershey's for Heroes. Patriot conservatives from all over the U.S. are sending Hershey's chocolate bars with a note of thanks for defending Israel. Won't you join us by sending a sweet message to the IDF? For information, please see my Facebook page at Michael Gano. Thank you, God bless Patriot Conservatives, and God bless Israel in her struggle for sovereignty and security. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. And welcome back to Greg's List, your home for serious journalism only on AmericasWebRadio.com. Switching gears a little bit, we've got uh, uh, James Hall, the newly elected chairman of the Savannah Young Republicans, on the uh, on the line with us. And James, I think this is your first time on Greg's List. Welcome to the show. Ah, thank you. Uh, 
thanks so much for having me. It's an honor to be to be here. Well, you know, I was excited to see you uh, elected to the role of chair for Savannah, which I think is probably the second or third biggest uh, YR club in the state. I know Cobb has been claiming second place. I know y'all have been adding members a lot, and they they may have second, y'all have third. So uh, you've got a pretty big uh, club, and it's a big footprint down in the coastal region of uh, of Georgia. So tell us a little bit about uh, what your plans for expansion and uh, foment and conservative policies are? Well, I would say, um, first of all, I was honored to be elected the chairman of the Savannah Area Young Republicans last month. And I'm also happy that I have a really strong team of executive officers with me. I have a finance director who's been probably one of our most faithful officers since I've been involved in the YRs, and it was his ideas that actually helped us rebrand our image with the whole rated R logo that is become that is becoming our brand around Savannah. And then I also have a couple of new faces. I've got a gentleman who's our communications director by the name of Josh Campbell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course you know Josh yep. in real life if you will. And he <laughs> he's an attorney here in Savannah who used to practice law in Atlanta and he actually just opened up his own law firm recently. So he's gonna be my communications guy. And then I also have a young lady who works for one of the major corporations here in um, Savannah, who's the new vice chairman. So she is going to be at, she's going to be helping us with one of our priorities, which is um, community service. Mm-hmm. So my thought, Greg, is that a lot of times the Republican Party, and especially young Republicans, think, well, we got to posture ourselves against the Democrats. we got to posture ourselves against the left. Um, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And there is some truth in that. But one of the things we miss is that whenever we engage our peers in our workplace, in our churches, um, or wherever else in our communities, one of the things we miss is that a lot of our peers are apathetic. So here we're oftentimes over in the corner saying, yeah, let's get fired up over freedom, let's get fired up over whatever your pet political issue is, and they're over here standing over in the corner thinking, how is this even relevant to me? So for that reason, um, going into this coming year, I essentially have two top priorities that I've set for my chapter. First one is let's talk, let's talk about issues, and I know you just spoke in the first part of your show about issues related to craft brewery regulation, yep. that is, that's one issue. And then, of course, in the past, you and I have both been very passionate about transportation freedom, allowing rideshare services like Uber and Lyft to provide alternatives to taxi cabs for consumers. Yep. So different issues that are relevant, not just on the state level, but also on the local level. Here in Savannah, this is a um, local election year. We are having elections for for the mayor's race and the city council race here in Savannah. and Some of the nearby neighborhoods are having local elections as well. And as young Republicans, we can't endorse candidates. But one of the things we can talk about is how there's some issues floating around in the backdrop of these elections. And we can bring attention to these these particular issues that certainly will be, or at least should be, relevant in in this city council election. Second priority that I've set is community service. For the last, at least for the last year and a half, I've been involved not just in the Young Republican, but the Republican Party as a whole. You still there? Yeah. Yeah. Stop hanging up on me. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I just heard. I just heard something buzzing. 
But um, the second issue is community <laughs> service. And I've noticed for the last few years, times the Republicans about wanting to actually engage the community, but it just seems like it's something that kind of gets thrown into the back burner. Right. But this year, one of my areas of focus is going to be community service. And one of the first steps we're already putting together is last year we did a social uh, membership recruitment event called the Masquerade Ball. We're going to do that again this year, but this time I'm already working with my officers about turning about turning that into a fundraiser to where all the money that we raise from that particular event, we're going to give it to a um, nonprofit organization, whether it be Crime Stoppers of Savannah Chatham, whether it be um, the Boys and Girls Club, a number of nonprofit organizations that different young professional groups have helped out in the past. And right now my goal is I'm hoping we'll be able to raise $1,000 and be able to give it to different nonprofit groups. And then, of course, um, we're also going to be doing some hands-on projects as well. And that kind of leads me into what you were asking me about what my vision is for expanding our membership in Young Republicans. Mm -hmm. Well, um, one of the things is that I'm also involved in the Savannah JCs. Uh, my vice chairman, she's really involved in the junior in the Savannah Junior League. And these are un, other young professional organizations who have a strong sense of community service. So by us partnering with them on community service, one of the things that goes along with that is you have young professionals who are actively involved in the community. They're aware of the issues firsthand. For example, I, as you know, I currently work in the tourism and hospitality industry in Savannah, and I have friends who are marketing managers in the JCs and some of them who are definitely involved in the community as well. So whenever we speak to issues and then we work with them on community service, I see that as an opportunity to do some cross-pollinating with groups who are civic-minded, but they might necessarily they might necessarily have not thought to get in politics yet, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, you know, for um, for young Republicans, I think it's important to kind of get over the young moniker and just, you know, yes, it, it, it does show the, uh, the, the age uh, limitations, but clearly you don't have to be um, an old person to get uh, legislation done, to promote uh, conservative uh, activism, to, to actually get bills done, and a lot of the issues that I like to look at are ones where we need to hold our elected officials accountable and make them oh, stand for limited government, which you mentioned the transportation freedom issue, which is uh, Uber and Lyft, and uh, the taxi cartel loves to battle uh, that in, in it in Georgia, and uh, you found mm-hmm. that uh, the city of Savannah has their own little protectionist system down there. Yeah, yeah, that's right. We have our own local taxi cab lobby here in Savannah, and I think I sent you an article that was released a few months ago talking about how the city of Savannah hasn't updated their taxicab regulations in about 37 years. <laughs> and um, so now they're looking at revamping, revamping the regulations 37 years later. So what should happen is that the city sits down and says, okay, let's look at the technology, let's look at the options available, and let's see how we can update our standards to where they reflect the, uh, the different options the consumer can take advantage of problem is if you have the taxi cab lobby that's tugging on the city's arm and saying, hey, we don't want rideshare services, and they're specifically calling out Uber by name, uh, but of course that also applies to Lyft, we don't want rideshare services. 
interestingly enough about this taxi cab lobby, before Uber and Lyft and, and Rideshare became a national phenomenon, these, this same taxi cab, taxi cab lobby was tugging on the city's arm saying, hey, we have enough taxi cabbies. Don't let any other cab companies come in and start their own business. Right. So it's very much a protectionist system that while we've had we've had a lot of growth in the tourism industry, we've also had a, and the city's also been doing a lot to not just try to attract more daytime tourists, but also um, conven- convention goers for different different business professionals. Yeah. While they've been, while the city and the county has been trying to build a one of the things they tried to do is they tried to build a convention hotel that was partially funded by tax dollars. That was going to be partially funded by tax dollars. While they've been doing things like this, you've had this taxi cab come, this taxi cab cartel saying, "Hey, we we don't want any more competition." Mm-hmm. And ironically enough, I was on the street the other day, and one of these taxi cab companies who their owner is a big leader in the taxi cab cartel, who's constantly trying to push out Uber, constantly trying to keep trying to keep beat back other taxi cab companies the back on the back of his cab it had a sign that said drivers wanted well <laughs> if there's not enough room for cabbies in savannah why in the world is he trying to expand his own business well that's the thing is a lot of these companies are very very happy with the status quo they're happy to mm-hmm. squash any competition and uh, the the problem is and, and i understand the craft brew and the uber uh, issues are slightly different. I will say Uber and Lyft mm-hmm. is a far greater threat to the taxi cab model, so that's why oh, they are fighting so diligently to uh, protect their, uh, their their antiquated model there. With the craft brew, y'all in Savannah, you have Moon River, which is a brew mm-hmm. pub, and I think you had mentioned another one. Those Imagine the, the, the tourism opportunities that could come to Savannah, which is already an international city, but if you not only had transportation freedom down there, but you could have four or five local breweries and maybe something on Tybee Island could be put. I mean, just the possibilities oh, absolutely. are, are and if, truly And if endless. I can put in another shameless plug for my adopted home now, <laughs> um, you like you said, you have a lot of. We do have a few local. We do have a few local brewers that are po- popping up. And on top of that, um, entrepreneurship it has a really rich history in Savannah because working in the tourism and hospitality industry. A lot of the guests that I interact with, they're here to experience the local color. They yep. want to go down the street and have some fried chicken from Paula Dean. Then the <laughs> next day, they might do a trolley tour of Savannah, and they might stop at Mrs. Wilkes' boarding house. And maybe lunch. they'll go and with all these. What about yeah. the What about the Forrest Gump bus stop? With the bus stop where he was waiting for Jenny? Is that popular down there in Savannah? Well, here's the th- here's the thing about the bench. Um, you can still go to Chippewa Square, and every okay. tour every tour guide's <laughs> going to point that out to you. But the bench is the bench is no longer there. What? It's actually the Civic Center. Shocking! But you can see you can see Chippewa Square, and in the opening of the scene where they have a church steeple, yeah, you can also see the Presbyterian Church that was used in that opening okay. scene. So plenty of local color, and I think you're I think you're absolutely right about the um, craft craft breweries being an issue that's going to be important to savannah because you have local entrepreneurs that have made um that have made savannah what it is and they've greatly enhanced the culture and of course we've had a lot of historical preservation for the last for the last few decades and part of historical preservation is having 
local places available where someone can go in and eat from a eat at a local restaurant, have a drink at a local pub that brews their own beer. Yep. All these neat things that our visitors find appealing, and we need to be sure yep. that um, our laws are such that we don't have more regulations. Right. Well, James, let's uh, let me take our uh, let me cut you off there. Let's take our commercial okay. break here at the two forty five. If you can hold on for a couple minutes, wanted to get back yep. with you talk a little bit about the uh, the the port of Savannah deepening and uh, modernizing all of our laws to make sure that we're promoting capitalism and free markets. Oh, absolutely. We'll, we'll be back in a couple minutes on Greg's list. This is Michael Gannett with the Middle East Research Center Limited, bringing you insight to Israel, the truth about the greatness of the Jewish state and its struggle for sovereignty and security every Sunday at 10 a.m. and 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. With all the back and forth in today's politics, it seems as though the Constitution gets lost in the mix. If you want to brush up on your Constitution, then join Michael Conley every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. for the show Our Constitution on AmericasWebRadio.com. This is Dr. Susan Blank, Medical Director for the Atlanta Healing Center. Our team is able to offer a multitude of treatment options, such as quantitative EEG, also known as brain mapping, hormonal and nutritional assessments, neuropsychological testing, and cognitive therapy, along with traditional 12-step facilitation. And we can even offer you, if appropriate, a gentle medically managed detox. Please contact us at 770-696-9862. Hello, I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak. Have you ever wondered what doctors talk about amongst themselves? If you do, join us on the Doctor's Lounge and hear the doctors' conversations amongst themselves. Join me and my co-host, Dr. Hal Schertz, every Thursday morning, 8 to 9 a.m. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome back to Greg's List Live, the home of serious journalism only on AmericasWebRadio.com. We are uh, chatting with James Hall, the chairman of the Savannah Young Republicans. James, you're also running for uh, vice chair of the Georgia Young Republicans, which is the statewide organization. Uh, and so that kind of, you know, that'll really get you out of just the uh, the Savannah-Chatham area and into uh, the, the, the world of statewide politics. Uh, what do you think uh, Georgia YR's role should be or uh, would be under uh, your your term as uh, vice chair? Well, I think a lot of what my vision is for the Savannah YRs, um, Rob Lee shares on the state level. For instance, again, going back to what I was saying earlier about how we have young professionals who we're the ones who are in the work, in, actively engaging in the workforce in our community, but a lot of them are apathetic and don't fully understand how politics is relevant to them, I think Rob and I have a similar vision how we can engage young professionals and get them and get them plugged in for young Republicans. Rob actually came down to the Savannah Young Republicans Christmas party last Saturday, and one of the things he was talking about is how different young professionals find young Republicans for different reasons. Some of them are looking to do um, networking opportunities. Others are looking to... Um, meet new people Mm -hmm. on a personal level and others are looking at ways to get involved in politics. So I think one of the things that happens a lot of times, both at the Chatham County level and on the state level, how, and let me see, how do I say this politely? (laughs) You don't have to be polite. You're on Greg's list. That's true. You're, (laughs) yeah, you're, you're known for your crap. We're not on the, we're not on the, uh, we're not governed by the FCC here, brother. (laughs) Nice. Okay. But well, 
basically what it is is when I look at the party both on the local level and on the state level and arguably on the national level as well, you have a lot of, shall we say, senior members of the party speaking on its behalf and calling the shots. And to me, there's a big difference between what a retiree thinks living in his gated community and what someone like myself, who's a young Republican who um, has been a young professional, who has also struggled with unemployment, who's also struggled with underemployment, what I think, and there's a difference between what a retiree, that same retiree thinks of a business person who is um, um, in middle management, a business person who's trying to get their own business up and running, as well as, say, an attorney who is trying to build his own law, build his own law firm or trying to make a name for himself. So I think it's imperative that people in our demographic who are working professionals, who are trying to move up in the corporate ladder, well, not corporate ladder, but whatever the ladder looks like in our respective fields, it's important that we have a voice and have input in the Republican Party. And I think by the YR Pro ticket with our goals, whenever we engage young professionals and say, hey, here's what the young Republicans are about across the state, come, up, come in, get involved, get connected, whenever we build up our organizations, that's how we can exert more influence within our party, yeah. and that's quite frankly how we make our party well, more and, relevant. And, and that's why I like to focus on issues that will grab the attention. I don't want to say that uh, all YRs, all we care about is beer and being able to take uh, better options than a cab, but those are issues that resonate. They actually are bipartisan issues, and yeah, if we as Republicans absolutely. can stand and up... Let, and let me take that a step farther for a second, Greg. One of the things that I talked about whenever I gave my opening spiel after my election last month, is as Republicans, we got to be careful, because right now we're seen as the party of Obama. And <laughs> yeah, we had big victories in November. In admirable largely. quality, though, in yeah. admirable quality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had big victories in November, yes, largely because it was a referendum of, a referendum against Obama. Let's, right. be, let's be blunt. But going forward, we better have ideas of our own. Like one of the things that I've kind of struggled, that I've had a problem with, and I'll go ahead and throw out an example of something I posted on my Facebook page, is um, I posted on Facebook that that congressional staffer a few, a couple of weeks ago who talked down to um, Obama's children about the way they were dressed and the way they were behaved at that Thanksgiving yeah. ceremony. Yes. I said, look, it was out of line, and if you want to criticize the president, criticize the president, but the president's family and especially, and especially his children need to be off limits. And I think that should be how different Republicans reacted should be a teachable moment because right now, if you criticize Obama, even if it's a legitimate criticism, it still has it still has the it still has the potential to backfire. Uh, but if you criticize, if you go after the man's underage children, there's nothing good that could come from that come from that conversation. Yeah. And there is no way, shape, or form that our party is going to benefit from name calling well, but, but and uh, thing, bashing, well, bashing the president on a personal James, level. 
James, it was a, I, she was a staffer. She was a communications person for a congressman yeah. from Tennessee. If if the the Democrats get this free pass, they can pretty much say whatever vile, racist commentary mm-hmm. they want, and it doesn't get blown out of proportion. This lady, uh, I can't remember her name right now, but literally the next day they had dug up the fact that she had been arrested for yeah. shoplifting at the age of seventeen. I mean, if we could mm-hmm. get the, uh, the you know these fierce uh, journalist investigative journalists to to research maybe the Obamacare fraud or. Uh, mm-hmm. Obama's history, it sure would be nice if we could have some more even-handed reporting in this country. Oh, oh yeah, absolutely. And my, and my I, I, do, I, do agree, is, I do agree with yeah. your sentiment about let's talk about the issues, which is why mm-hmm. I like to get very specific and make it relevant to people's mm-hmm. everyday lives. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we as Republicans, while, yes, we do have two more years of the Obama administration, Lame we do duck. need to respond to the man's issues. There's no question about that. Yeah. But at the same time, we need to keep in the back of our mind, hey, we need to rebrand ourselves as the party who does more than just bash Obama. And that's one of the reasons why I like the fact that you've been bringing up the issue of Uber and you've been bringing up the issue of the this um, these, craft bre- these craft brewers. Yep. Because we as a party, um, I don't know if you've seen um, Dinesh D'Souza's movie, um, America, Imagine a World Without Her. If you haven't, go see it. And anybody who's listening, if you haven't, go, go see it. Because one of the things it talks about is the thing that made America great was the fact that we were a country that was distinct based on innovation and capitalism. That's one of the things Alexis de Tocqueville wrote about whenever he visited this country in the 1800s. Fast forward to the 21st century, and again, capitalism, ingenuity, and innovation are still things that make this that make this country great. And I think with the Republican Party, one of the reasons I consider myself to be a Republican is because um, I think we're the party that better understands the importance of innovation and American and American ingenuity, and we also understand the danger of what happens if we have too much regulation which can strangle ingenuity and innovation right and that's the thing is what makes us americans but the, the the but the reason we have to get specific on issues is because when when Republicans talk in these mm-hmm. nebulous concepts about limited government, limited regulation, all this stuff that we campaign and as part of our platform, and then we go and we sponsor House Bill nine oh seven like last year that would have put Uber and Lyft out of business. When when some of them actively fight against uh, a very small segment of the the craft brew industry wanting to actually sell the product that they manufacture, when when those are Republicans doing that, we mm-hmm. look like hypocrites. And that is what I am trying to stamp out in, in the Republican Party. Oh, absolutely. Um, anyway, I, I, I did want to ask you the deepening of the Port of Savannah. What um, what are you hearing about that? And is that something that uh, is really going to add to uh, state GDP um, in the future? Well, I actually don't have the latest update on me right now. Okay. But one of the things I can say is that it is definitely something that is not only going to benefit um, Georgia itself, but it's also going to benefit the entire southeast. Because, as you know, the Port of Savannah is one of the busiest is one of the busiest ports in the nation, and I believe it's the third busiest one on the eastern seaboard. And so, the fact that we're going to have more, we're going to be able to have more international commerce um, going through our port. That's only going to give um, our part of the country a really strong economic boost. Next time, uh, next time you go to Savannah, 
um, one of the things you'll want to do is go to River Street and just take a look at all the barges that are just going up and down the Mm -hmm. river. By deepening the port, we're going to be able to increase that traffic. And when we increase that traffic, um, that's not just going to pump that's not just going to give our economy a good boost, but it's also going to yeah. give a good boost. I mean, I really the, do. Um, I look at Savannah as a, a, a microcosm for the whole state because y'all uh, mm-hmm. truly an international city. You're going to be one of the largest uh, Atlantic uh, deep water ports, especially in the southeast. I think you'll be even bigger than Jacksonville. So it's truly an economic mm-hmm. power story. And the fact that uh, some of these issues that, that we're trying to raise here in Atlanta, those impact Savannah directly. The military bases, a lot of the uh, soldiers don't necessarily have cars, so for them mm-hmm. to be able to have an alternative to a taxi cab is important for them to be able to kind of yeah. expand. And not, and not just with the taxi cab, not just with the soldiers themselves, but look at the benefits that taxi cab alternatives give. Um, you have army spouses who their husbands are deployed overseas, they're struggling to make ends meet. Rideshare services also gives them an opportunity to earn a supplemental income, and I think that also addresses issues of unemployment and underemployment in this yep. area. Yeah, it really does. It, 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 the the thing with transportation freedom is the taxis act like Democrats. They think that there's a finite amount of wealth. But what really happens with transportation freedom is you expand the entire market mm-hmm. for transportation. You have people that normally wouldn't be able to deal with the unreliability of a cab. They may not be able to use it for work, or they just would feel like they should, they're safer driving themselves even after they've had a few. So when you enhance yeah. the freedom, when you enhance the options, you are really expanding the pie. James, I've got to run here, but I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to call in. We hit on some great issues. I wish you luck in your race for YR Vice Chair along with well, our buddy thank, Rob Thank Lee. you so much for having me, Greg. And, I enjoyed uh, being on here. I look forward to seeing y'all uh, at the end of January, uh, which will be I think Tuesday the 27th. And uh, I'm, sure, I'm sure I'll run into you before then and we can talk, we can take an Uber and enjoy a craft beer together. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a winner. Alright, well I appreciate it. And uh, as as always, we wanted to thank y'all for listening to Greg's List. You can find our blog at gregslistlive.blog.com. Download the app to your smartphone. You can make your smartphone even smarter by downloading the americaswebradio.com app. Uh, we've got just uh, an amazing next year coming up, and uh, uh, the new studio is doing really well. A lot of opportunities for uh, potential advertising. And as you were able to listen in today, a lot of salient issues that impact everybody in the state, not just young Republicans, not just Democrats, but across the board. These issues that I'm talking about are of a bipartisan nature. They are about the uh, uh, the forces of limited government, limited regulation, entrepreneurial resolve, and it's important that you look and see what these elected officials are doing because the more laws they pass, the less freedom you have. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back next week on Greg's List. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you.